Oh, hold on. What, Phil? It's my fucking mic. Hold on for a second. I will I'm definitely be cutting that out. Open a can. Okay. Because we're still talking about the prequels. you might actually really like this it's called the power you should check it out uh it's by naomi alderman what's it about uh so it's a science fiction book about what would happen if women developed like this kind of weird specific x-man power basically to fend off male aggression Hmm. and how the paradigm would flip as a side effect of that you know and Hmm. how quickly society turns into well you were asking for it if you let your son walk around alone at night you know kind of that yeah thing Uh it's very interesting so uh in the interest of trying to keep things fresh on we should do this again sometime uh, i decided that maybe it would be a fun idea to check out uh a uh auteur filmmaker uh series uh and i figured we should start with one of the best known uh most uniquely regarded perhaps most memed film series of all time uh the star wars prequels which were all written and did by george lucas um now if if this episode is good does that mean maybe we'll cover the godfather or the mad max movies going forward Maybe. Uh, (laughs) But I figure since there are no new movies coming out and two of our segments are us talking about new movies and me trying to convince Mark to go see new movies uh, and we don't have that anymore, uh, this might... New movies are no longer a thing. This might be a fun uh, thing to do until 2024 when we're all allowed outside again. So... (laughs) Well... Well, Trump doesn't think, you know, social distancing needs to last but a couple more couple more business days, so we should be good then. Well, like, Legoland in Japan opened back up today, so I don't know. It might be all right in, like, eight weeks. Oof. It's going to be, like, 28 days later, man. <laughs> oh, my God, it's going to be so bad. I'll, I'll be interested to see how this goes. Uh, but, uh... So, you know what that means, kids? Uh, I watched the three Star Wars prequels in three days. Woo! Boy. (laughs) Them's some movies. Those are movies for your ass. Uh, Uh, One, two, three, and six... Okay, so that's nine, and then five, 14. I have 14 pages of handwritten notes. Uh, the last time I saw uh, 
the Phantom Menace was when they re-released it in 3D, uh, and I want to say 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea was they were going to release another one in theaters every, I want to say, six months until The Force Awakens came out. Oh. And then no one saw The Phantom Menace. I mean, that, they're showing for money, man. Like, there's no, there's literally no reason to want to see Phantom Menace in 3D or, or 2D. Two two words for you, my friend. Pod racing. That oh shit looks dope in 3D. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But does my does my statement still stand though? Oh, totally. Uh, do you think George Lucas knew back in 1999 that he was going to make the singular coolest looking video game level of all time? I think he did. I legit think he did. Uh, I think that's the only reason why he wanted to even start uh, the the prequels. Uh, he apparently he felt like technology had caught up enough to where. Uh, everything could be done digitally or how his vision uh, mm-hmm. wanted to take. Um, the 3D reissue got $102 million at the box office. So, I mean, pe- people are desperate for the 3D, I guess. I mean, this was also peak 3D bullshit. <laughs> Has it? What were the actual good 3D movies? I... I can't tell you which ones are actually good or not. I Avatar. I don't know that it's a good 3D movie, but I felt it was greatly in increased in quality by the 3D. You know, Avatar is just Pocahontas with blue people. Yes, I've been banging that gong for years, but it is beautiful in 3D. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> the only thing I saw in 3D that I marginally like was um, Rogue One. I snuck into Rogue One and saw um, and saw uh, it in 3D, and it was pretty decent. But you know what weird one I thought was actually really good in 3D? What was that The Martian? Oh, that was good in 3D. So the thing that I loved about seeing it in 3D was that a lot of it wasn't in 3D, but what they did was they were able to make the depth of space look so much bigger. So when he's looking out at space and he's like, am I alone on this planet? You're like, oh, God, space is so big. You know? It yes, made the spatial basically. relations, I think, seem a little more intense. I think space is like infinity minus one. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and uh, it was it was gorgeous because it wasn't overt about it, but it was it was very present. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, my biggest issue with the prequels, honestly, is a lot of the CGI. Because I feel like a lot of things don't exist on the same layer of, like, film. And it's really clear that, like, Jar Jar Binks wasn't there. (laughs) And Jar Jar Binks is a design that I think they could have made as a puppet or as a silicon kind of head thing that they then just added some minor animation to. 
that would have made him more endearing? I mean, they, well, no. The only thing that would have made him endearing is if they would have not put him in the movie at all. Like, he's he he's too much of a coon for my taste. I'm sorry. To so, one of the big things that I noticed about this movie is that, like, every non-human alien is a racial stereotype. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's why Jar Jar gotta go. <laughs> like, I honestly think all the Gungans gotta go. Bro. Like, Boss Nass is weirdly kind of Jamaican sometimes. Yeah. But uh, but not Rasta. Like, decidedly not Rasta. Because he's not, he has no chill. Yeah. It's, um... Uh, it's not what you... Everyone in the Trade Federation is clearly Asian. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> uh, Watto, who is a Toydarian, is Middle Eastern, possibly Jewish. Uh, I've seen a lot of contention about that point. Uh, Griffin Newman of Blank Check uh, describes him as an anti-Semitic character and also did a one-man show about Watto called Watto About Me. Jesus. Uh, I, mean, I agree. I agree that he's. I agree the character is definitely uh, playing into the stereotypes about Jewish yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So I'll I'll be honest. A lot of that was really hard to watch. I mean, you um, about that. Uh, the first time you see Coruscant, it looks like the opening for Batman the Animated Series. It looks 2D. I was expecting Batman to be standing on one of the buildings with his cape, doing his cape thing. And I just, <laughs> it was like, ooh, it was like 2D art deco, and I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I So, for full disclosure, this is, this is like the, um, I saw, I'm pretty sure I saw the original Star Wars first. And then pretty sure I'm actually I'm actually because this came out in 99 and Fox. Well, so, OK, just backstory. So in cable, they weren't really rerunning a lot of Star Wars for whatever reason. And I remember leading up to the release of Phantom Menace, Fox actually played Star Wars like on Fox. And this is kind of like really before even people were even using like episode one, two, three, mm-hmm. like so it wasn't episode four, it was just Star Wars. Wars. And so whenever Phantom Menace came out and they threw out, you know, episode one, it's kinda like, oh, okay. Um and so I'm pretty sure I saw the original Star Wars first, then I saw this episode one. Um, but again, it's, I was, I'm pretty, I was like in the eighth grade, I was doing eighth grade things. So who the fuck knows, but, but, um, but I'm like, I'm like 80% sure I saw the original before I saw this one. And I saw Phantom Menace like in the theater. I was a kid who looking back on this, like, I really didn't remember this movie other than the speed racing. And so being someone who was like in the eighth grade, or like going into the eighth grade, actually, um, it's kind of like uh, you don't 
you don't catch on all these like subtle racist things. Like you just know that like Jar Jar, something's wrong with Jar Jar, but you don't really know what's wrong with Jar Jar until you realize, oh yeah, racial stereotypes. Jar Jar's a coon. So it's like, so I was like, God damn. And so, and then, you know, the um, Asian or quote unquote Asian people in this movie, like, oh my God, like the, all that shit didn't hit me until like years later. And so. I remember the, thinking that there was like something wrong with that. Like, I was like, why, like, all of their accents are clearly Earth accents. Like, I remember being, like, seven and being like, all right, all their accents are people accents. Oh, yeah. Their, their accents are when Hollywood hires Asian people from many different Asian countries. It'd be, like, a like a Korean grocery store owner or some or a Chinese are, food restaurant Are, are we talking about, by any chance, uh, all those times in the Indiana Jones movies? Oh, we're talking about them, girlfriend. Yes. Uh, yeah, they have the same energy. Yeah, and so. So, it's... do we want to just go through these movies a little bit, uh, like in order, and just kind of go through some things? Well, yeah. So, I mean, because you took a shitload of notes. I, I did. Watch, I watched Phantom Menace about two to three weeks ago, probably more closer to two weeks ago. And I rewatched episodes two and three over the weekend. Um, so yeah, so take me through the journey of your notes rewatching Phantom Menace. And All right. We can talk how, about how ridiculous or how great you think it is. <laughs> so the first note that I wrote down was, uh, why is every character in this movie a stereotype? And then I started a little note counter in the background. Uh I also started, um, I don't know if you ever saw these growing up, uh, but I uh, was obsessed with the uh, Star Wars journals. They were books you could buy. They were skinny little books, uh, and they had the characters' like day-to-day thoughts. Um, and they had one for, I want to say, in the first movie, it was Obi-Wan and Padme. And then in the next movie, in episode two, it was Padme and Anakin. And then in the third one, it was, I don't remember. I don't know if they did them for three, actually, because three was like an adult movie. Uh, <laughs> and one and two were clearly marketing to kids. Um, but in them, uh, I have the Padme one. It's literally in my bedroom right now. Um, at, at the top of every, uh, and like the first entry, they show what she's wearing. Oh. And they... Oh no, she's a kid. Never mind. And they break down what she's wearing and why it's significant. Oh, okay. So like, uh, when she the first outfit you see her wearing, where she has her hair like wrapped around kind of the side of her head, and it's the red thing with the robe and the big like kind of chunky eye looking things. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Like that has a very specific meaning. Yeah. And uh. Watching it with that knowledge is very interesting. Uh, also, Kira Knightley plays the friend, uh, Sabe, who is the queen whenever she is not the queen. Yeah, the decoy. Uh, and also, uh, that is the friend who dies, even though she has a different name in episode two. 
they changed her name. <laughs> I, I think they might have forgot that. they gave her a name. Uh, I, mean, I forgot it too, so bye, so, uh, We're going to skip around a little bit. Uh, are you an angel? Before we actually get to that, <laughs> a question that really popped in my mind before we... Um, before we get to are you an angel, yeah. Whenever we're talking about like the race stuff and like the the characters of this movie, this is a question we don't even need to answer, but I feel like it's just appropriate. Like, if I don't ask this question, I'll regret not asking this question in a public space. But mm. does George Lucas know any black people? <laughs> like, like, like that's a like I said, we don't need to answer it, but you know, I think it's. Billy D. Williams, but he wasn't. Uh, he didn't direct that one though, or the, he didn't. He didn't direct two, and he only halfway wrote three of the no, original. B- Billy D. Williams, um, I don't think wrote or directed anything. I, mean, I don't know. So yeah, okay. or Asian people, or Middle East, any non-white people. Did he know any non-white Italians? Did like, he know? Does he know women? <laughs> like literally halfway through this, I was like, "Hayden, okay." So halfway through my notes for episode two, sorry, I'm flipping around a lot, but uh, one of the things I wrote was, "Hayden Christensen is acting every once in a while, like pretty much whenever it seems like he wasn't given explicit direction." What is Natalie Portman's excuse? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Bro, oh my god. <laughs> uh, someone asked, you know, should you watch the movies in order or chronological order? Like, you cannot start your Star Wars experience watching episode one and episode two. You just can't. Like, it's 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 not what you want. It's really not. No. Uh, I... I struggle. So I think the first time you watch it, you got to do four, five, six, then seven, eight, nine, then one, two, three. That's how I would choose to watch it personally. Now, there's a theory that you watch it four, five, one, two, three, six, seven, eight, nine. But why would you deprive yourself of not... Why would you deprive yourself of not finishing after... Empire. Well, so I think the idea is that Luke, I am your father. No, that's impossible. Well, let me explain it to you in three movies. <laughs> someone had someone on the internet. They posted like basically the Schneider cut of all three, like yeah, one, episode one, two, and three, and like compacted it. I would really love to see what that is. Have you because... ever uh, seen is Jar Jar Binks a Sith Lord? Say that again. Is Jar Jar Binks a Sith Lord? Oh my god, I think I've heard of that, but I because so a lot of people were theorizing that he was Snoke. Jesus Christ! And like, what? I'm looking at this article from Business Insider. Jeez, Just stick. I'm gonna money. add this to our episode notes. We didn't have enough last time for fresh episode notes, so I have a feeling we're gonna have a lot this episode. Jeez, Business Insider stick to money. Jeez. Ah, Business Insider decided to stick to Star Wars. Jeez. So, you know. 
money. Jar Jar Sith Lord. Why why would people give him that much intelligence to be a Sith Lord? Like So <laughs> Can't even finish the thought. No, I'm sorry. I got a text from a friend that just said, I wish you were old enough to understand the intense disappointment we all felt the day Phantom Menace came out. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, yeah, I, I'm like, I'm actually young enough that I missed that curve, so... Well, I was two when it came out, so... Yeah, I was, like, 13, so... And I didn't watch, like, the other two Star Wars movies, so... Anyway, uh, so... (laughs) I think the idea is that a lot of the things that we considered, like, naive and dumb or just lazy editing about Jar Jar were actually all a front to hide that he was, in fact, the greater evil... And that instead of being, like, having any chill, he kind of leaned too hard in the other direction and became all idiot. Yeah. Uh, nah. (laughs) He's not that clever to be that evil. He's just chaotic. He's just evil. We don't know that. He survived all the movies. I mean... So is so instead of Poppleteen, he's the one actually pulling all the strings. Jesus, I mean, there can only be two Sith Lords at once. So well, I think a lot of people were expecting in in seven or eight to have some sort of role. Yeah, possibly an evil one. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, so they try to talk to the Trade Federation. That goes poorly. So boring, too. Poorly and boring. Yep. Uh, And then they run into Jar Jar Binks, literally. Uh, They get in. They get a bongo. There's always a bigger fish. Uh, Then they rescue Queen Amidala. Kind of. It's really half rescue, half kidnapping. Uh, Then their ship is damaged, so they stop on Tatooine. They go meet our Middle Eastern slash Jewish friend, Watto. Uh, uh, I like the money. uh. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Um. Well, and you... all, the whole time, by the way, Natalie Portman is like, the queen would not approve. And everyone's like, nobody cares. And she's like, well, I do not approve. And you're like, okay, if you did not figure out she's the queen yet, you're a lot prettier than you are smart. Um, so then she meets Anakin. Are you an angel? No. You're a very silly little boy. And then, you know, I was very glad to meet you too. Which, by the way, Jake Lloyd... Hi, Jake Lloyd. I know you're listening. Uh, my dude. Jakey, you should have chose a better career path. There are several moments in this movie where I see you trying to act. Mm. You got better eyes than me. I see you giving it the old college try. I saw Jingle All the Way for some godforsaken reason. I know you can act. Hold on, whoa, whoa, this is not a Jingle All the Way slander hour, okay? Jingle no. All the Way is a classic 
piece of Christmas cinema. Okay, I did not see it until I was 20. Oh, see? Can't relate. Uh, I know my dad had to nearly kill somebody to get me a Tickle Me Elmo, though, so... See? Uh, anyway, I know you can act. There are a couple moments where I was like, wow, look at you trying to act. Um, I'm sorry George Lucas yelled at you until you didn't. Um, then uh, his midichlorians are off the scale. We need money. Let's pod race. Also, we should explain everything that's happened in the movie up to this point to Shmi Skywalker, in case you forgot. Um, <laughs> but specifically, so, but for you, though, so what are all, your, what are your thoughts up to, so basically, from the pot, from the beginning of these trade talks that no one really gives a shit about, up until, like, before we have okay. the pod racing. If the trade talks had been a central motif throughout the movie, like, if block, if uh, the blockade of Naboo was kind of this movie's Death Star, you know, this series' Death Star, I think it would have justified its existence in the space. Hmm... Uh, I don't know. It's just really, it's really hard to care about space trade talks. Like it's just hard. Oh, like don't ever read Dune. <laughs> like next, next time you're like, oh, I'm quarantined for 18 months. You put Dune right down. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. Um, I just, I just don't think. I don't. I just don't think it's interesting. I just don't think that. Um, uh. What, Qui-Gon? Like, he's... I like Qui-Gon. Oof. Why do you I like Qui-Gon? This is the hill I'm prepared to die on, but... I don't know. <laughs> Why do you like Qui-Gon? So, the thing that I like about Qui-Gon is that he's got, like, big empathy energy, and that's something that... Mm, oh, hear I me don't out. know. I'll hear you out. Let's go. I'll hear you I out. I think that's... But it's it's a kind of wizened, advanced empathy energy. He also um, has a lot of faith in a way that I don't think either of the subsequent Jedi Master pairings we see uh, have. So there are a lot of times where he tells Obi-Wan to wait a second, chill out. And when Obi-Wan says that to Anakin, it rings a lot less true. Even if I don't think that Qui-Gon is a particularly interesting character, I do feel that like, watching Liam Neeson's performance. And it may just be the performance. Like, I believe that Qui-Gon Jinn has been training to be a Jedi his whole life. And that he has bought all in onto this kind of patience, understanding, empathy, then action thing. Even if that's not how he his temperament operates. I Yeah, I, I agree that he, he operates more on a level of Morpheus in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Where he he's guided by his his faith in this larger thing, but I do think the only thing I would like combat on would be I don't think he's really empathetic because let me ask, let me pose this question to you if if all he did was rescue the chosen one from this desert planet and the chosen one happened to be this this like elementary age kid 
Why would he let his mother stay in slavery and not take his mom out of captivity? Like, well, I think that... I just didn't think that, we cover that they would literally explode? Um, they I say mean, that. She's got every slave has a tracker in them, and if they go outside the bounds of where they're allowed to go, they explode. Because I, mean, I wrote that down. I mean, he, he's... Like, literally the guy who's in control of her, and not just them, I'm assuming numerous other slaves, like, he just lets, he just lets the slavers enslave and keeps slaving people. Like, I I think, well, I guess my bigger point is, I just think that there's a lot of fallacy in the Jedi, where, like, they have a sense of duty, and they say it's really for like to protect people and to like maintain justice or whatever, but they do a lot of inhumane things. It's to and protect so, the, the planets in the Senate because those are the ones they consider civilized. Yeah, it's just like for them for them to be preaching this this holy thing, like a lot of things they do are not as holy no, as they actually no, think. No, no. So. I, I think to me that is a deconstruction of the Jedi more than it is a deconstruction of Qui-Gon. That is the only counter argument I would raise here. He is given a directive. He follows his orders. He keeps the senator safe. I mean... Even though you can tell that it really pains him to leave them. Because they're... Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? The moment when he and Anakin walk away and Anakin run back and hugs her, you can see that he's kind of like, okay, okay, okay. Like, these are my orders. You can even see it in the way he kind of swings his hands back and forth. There are a lot of little subtle beats in there that I can tell, like, pretty much every actor was like, okay, I'm going to sneak in a subtle character moment while George Lucas isn't paying attention. And, like, I definitely feel like Qui-Gon is a very pure Jedi. So when I say that he's got empathy, I mean from the Jedi perspective. Because if they had sent anyone else they would not have taken Anakin and I know you know kind of it's a it's a drop in the bucket what difference does it really make but like one life is everything to one person well I have Phantom Menace on in the background and so I'll keep a lookout on these subtleties that you've seen but I, I just have a real difficult time with, like, you know, I you know honestly I I really don't I really did not see him having being very much moved in the fact that you know we're basically taking this toddler away from his his, his slave mom. I he's I nine. Do, I, like so. <laughs> he's not a toddler. He's nine. What's the difference? It's not take, so it's worse. They take kids away from his mom all the time. They literally the younglings start at like two or three. I mean, but is that really is that really cool though? They're is smashing. that what we're talking about? Are they breaking? They're breaking up families. Do an extended universe novels episode. Oh no, I'm not reading Star Wars. <laughs> but hold on, but no, but I'm. But My I'm favorite saying, is Bloodline by Claudia Gray. It takes place between six and seven, and I think it's excellent. I'm just saying, man. I just have a difficult time in seeing families broken up. So, 
he, so on my letterbox, like here's what I wrote <laughs> about Qui-Gon. This guy, Qui-Gon, kidnapped a child, left that child's mother in slavery, and got smoked by Darth Maul. And he only took the child so the boy could be a warrior in his army, not because the child was a slave. <laughs> the Jedi is so full of shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of the whole point, though. Ah, uh, man. Two stars. <laughs> you gave it two? <laughs> only because of the pod racing. Like, legit only. Oh, that, no. did not, well, that did not save it two stars for me. Uh, anyway... Oh. I, only I the pod racing in the only because of the power racing in the fight with Darth Maul. Like that's that's it really. So okay. Hang on. Sorry, I have a lot of things spread over my notes. Uh so one thing I have on my notes uh is the poncho counter. <laughs> <laughs> they are in abundance. Yeah. Yes. So uh I only counted two ponchos in this movie. Uh which is compared to Attack of the Clones, very low. Uh, there's a lot in uh, three too, but yeah. There's, yeah. there's. I would say, I think there's like two good ponchos in uh, Revenge of the Sith. I don't count capes as a poncho moment, so like whatever. Uh, but I love that, like they're like, yeah, oh, they won't be able to tell we're a Jedi if we wear ponchos. And Anakin's immediately like, "Are you a Jedi?" And I'm like, "Nice going, like <laughs> nailed it." Okay. So, I find the announcers in the pod racing scene really fucking annoying, and I can't tell if they're meant to be a commentary. Like, there are a lot of things in this movie where I'm like, is is George Lucas trying to make a commentary? Like, it, does he have a thesis? Like, does he have an idea that we're just not getting, or is he literally so out of touch that he's like, I'm just gonna make space like Earth, but on many different planets? Uh, the last question is yes. Because I don't need a nascar a space nascar driver anyway uh moving on uh hang on uh where do i have that thing uh the pods themselves look pretty cool i think a lot of that the actual pod bodies were probably physical effects that they then scanned in and made cool uh the line where he says uh, that's gotta hurt i literally just wrote who is this for um Sabalba, great character design. I wish it was a puppet. I wish it was real. I wish that it looked like it had any interaction with the space around it at all. He doesn't. Um, Also, I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to figure out why Shmi had a, like, Norse accent. (laughs) Like... Why is Shmi from Norway or possibly the Netherlands? Like, and then in the next movie, she marries someone who's named Lars. So I'm like, wait, is is the idea that, like, the desert people came and enslaved space Norway? Like, what's ha- I help? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, it just hit me. What if these people inhabited this planet and they took it from the Tuscans? And then the Tuscans were so pissed that they're only going to kill people. And that's how they became Tuscan Raiders. I don't think it's that deep. (laughs) Maybe not. Because, like, there's... I think there are Tuscan Raiders and Jawas on other planets. 
Because, like, if you watch The Mandalorian, there are Jawas on other planets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't think they're a Tatooine-specific thing. I think they're just a scavenger race that goes to whatever desert planet's available. Anyway, um... There's one line that Jake Lloyd delivers super well. Uh, and I want to just give him, like, a, a big ol' shout-out for that. Uh, which is when... They're on the spacecraft... Uh, and he says, it's very cold. And I was like, oh, it's because your soul is cold. Uh, like, because the soul is cold. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it was a good delivery. Uh, Jake Lloyd nailed it. Well done. Uh, so, uh, he's conceived by midichlorians because he's Jesus. Uh, oh. there's Whoa. a... If you look at the Senate, you can see a bunch of uh, ETs in one of the little puck balcony things. Jesus. Um, when uh, Jar Jar Binks looks at one of his friends and says, ouch time, uh, that pretty much sums up how I felt. Uh, <laughs> Fucking ouch time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's also, like, a lot of lines in this movie that I really, like, don't understand. Like, Padme at one point is like, we don't have time for this in the middle of a battle. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? Like, uh, there's a, I was watching uh, episode one and episode two I mostly watched with my dad. And I watched a good chunk of episode three with him, too. Uh, so I wrote down some of his choice quotes. Uh, they have ascension guns, like, that they use to, yeah. like fat man up and he goes i'm sorry that's a little too convenient <laughs> uh and then he goes wait there are four things going on right now oh jesus like uh, what, they what keep cutting back and forth in the end scene between padme doing her padme thing and in his yellow ship oh yeah the duel yeah. of fates and uh the ouch time um <laughs> Also, Duel of the Fates, great action sequence, great music. I kept track of when they used that musical motif throughout the next two movies, and uh, boy, is it only disappointing from here. Uh, also, the first time you see Yoda's walk cycle, he's walking like a duck. I mean, he's like, what, he's like 800 years old in this movie? I mean, yeah, but he doesn't walk like a duck at any other point in the series. I just think they didn't know how to render his walk cycle, so they probably used Jar Jar Binks's and made it short. They didn't do. They didn't know how to do a lot of things in this movie. So, Yoda walking is one of the. I have work. a question for you. Yes. What is the Phantom Menace about? Bro, oh, fucking <laughs> trade, fucking trade wars. Oh my god. No, but like, what? Like, if you had to tell me like the moral of this story, Bro, like if you know. had to say like. <laughs> What like in a in a deep humanist sense? Ugh. What is what is the Phantom Menace about? Okay, so if we're taking away like all hyperbole, like all kidding aside, like it's Phantom Menace is ultimately about business businesses trying to. Uh, oh my god. Trying to reverse merger 
from this conglomerate government system, but they won't allow them to. And oh my god, I can't. My brain hurts. I'm really trying to pull this out of my ass. Like, so it's it's really about this this business company that wants to diverge. Okay, but government. No, I don't even mean the plot. I mean like, what is what is the moral of the Phantom Menace? I don't, I mean, I don't think it has, I legit don't think it has a Like, more, what is the thesis? If you had to describe the takeaway, like, not even the takeaway, like, what, what is this movie arguing in one sentence? It's, it's not, like, it, there's, uh, there's nothing to argue, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm texting my friend who just said you don't understand how disappointed we all were to see if he has a, a take on this, but, like, yeah. Like, I mean, because it's, I don't think, I don't think the moral story is slavery is bad because they just get one slave. <laughs> they get, they rescue one slave from captivity who's then put into another form of captivity, which is the Jedi. Um, it's, I, I don't think there's a moral to this movie. Like, I legit don't like. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the kind of my big, my big takeaway from this movie is, oh, it's weird that there's no big takeaway from this movie. And like, at the end of the day, it felt overstuffed and also like nothing happened. I mean, also, the- someone needs to take George Lucas away from those like Apple movie effects of like the screen, like swiping around like uh, or he's, things he's like swipe. panning in like the animaniacs with a little circle like nah chill with that i i legit think the only reason so okay so i don't think there's a moral to this movie i just think the only purpose of the movie which i guess if we're splitting hairs like i think there's a difference but the purpose of this movie legitimately is only to introduce anakin skywalker and also to introduce Palpatine is becoming you know Sith God, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I legit, I legit don't think there's any other purpose to this movie at all. Oh, like, and by are... the way, like he's he's evidently also looking for a girlfriend right now. So uh... he is. <laughs> Palpatine fucks. <laughs> oh my god! So even going back to the Jesus thing, like. <laughs> That's actually something, <laughs> and it's funny. I said that, and I looked at Qui Gon at the same time. Like he's white Jesus, but uh, <laughs> I think Obi Wan in Episode Two is white Jesus, if we're being technical. Um, I think. Uh, oh well, I was gonna say fucking. Um, so the, I think also they they basically made Anakin this Jesus child, but I guess we can talk about this when we get into Episode Three. But they really could have and probably should have leaned into how Anakin was actually conceived, which they legit bring it up for like a half a second. And then no one else talks about it through the entirety of the rest of the Star Wars saga. Do you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No, I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. I don't know that uh, I need to know. 
Oh, oh, so you don't want me to tell you or bring it up? I mean, I assume that my my take is that Darth Plagueis, uh, in his infinite Darth Plagueisy wisdom, uh, was like, I can do whatever I want. I do what I want. You're not my real mom. Uh. I can make the midichlorians do whatever I want and I want them to put their woo-woo in this yee and make me a slave uh, slash apprentice uh, that I can use to take over the whole planet. And then he did, or the whole galaxy, it's, planet's a low bar for Sheev. Uh, so then he did that and it was fine. So, the end. So... Uh... Well, I guess we need to get into it now because we're already talking about it. Yeah, but... yes, it's happening. Yeah, so oh, no. I, I wonder. I legit don't know. Well, I legit don't know why Lucas just didn't commit to, you know, Palpatine creating Anakin. Like, I just don't know why they didn't lean into it. Like, you brought her for the half a second, and that was it. And I don't think it makes. I don't think it, it makes or hurts, makes or breaks the story one way or the other. Yeah, at the point um, we're at, it does not matter. Yeah, like, we legit had, we had the original trilogy, we had the the, the two new movies and a half, so it's kind of like, we know Anakin, what he's going to become, so why not actually just, you know, divulge the truth or whatever. Um, but, I mean, you think George Lucas knew what the truth was? I don't think he knew what the truth was. At the time of episode one creation, um, I honestly, I actually, I do think, I think he knew. I think he knew, but for whatever, for whatever reason, he just didn't want it to commit to it. Like, and I, I just don't understand it. So whenever, whenever I meet George, when I ask him, like, yo, when you were in this bullshit episode one, did you know Palpatine was Anakin's dad or no? And he's going to answer me. He's gonna give me the fucking truth. Did you know that Palpatine fucks? I Have mean, you heard the good news of Palpatine fucking? <laughs> uh, he's uh, Palpatine's about that gooch life, man. He's 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 about them cheeks, man. Jeez. Well, I don't think that Palpatine himself was like clapping them cheeks, as the youth say. I think he probably was like, hey, hey, midichlorians. Hey, midichlorians. Hey. Yeah, and there's, then, a lot of, there's a lot of hand moving, not a lot of, like, thrusting going on. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, later on in life, he's like, oh, shit. I the, baby, the baby lived. Oh, shit. And that baby's baby is going to try and kill me that I, even though I already died, they're going to try and kill me again. <laughs> shit. Oh, man. I guess uh, I have to have a hot, inexplicably British granddaughter to solve all my problems. <laughs> I mean, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Bro, I mean, that, that's the best explanation I could juice out of episode nine. Oh my god, I'm so mad at episode nine, but... Which, well, by I, the way, like, the other thing that's so annoying to me is people who are like, Hey! Uh, like, did you know that that's not actually Sheev Palpatine? Like, it's a, a reanimated zombie of his? And I was like, how would I have extrapolated that 
from the There's, movie that was presented to me. If if anyone's saying that, they're pulling that out of their fucking ass. Like, no, Star Wars confirmed it. But I'm like, okay, but where were we supposed to figure that out? Like, what did he, like, oh my God, like, they're, they're giving us answers when they could have just gave us a fucking movie. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So, okay, I'm let's not. Now, like, I wish it had a May release and was getting bumped so they would have some time to think about what they did. Oh, my God. Okay, I, I, I think for my health, I can't talk about episode nine until at least this coming December. So I think I'm going to quarantine myself from talking about episode nine for at least like a couple of months because, like, but I do, I honestly, without hyperbole, like, all kidding aside, like, I do want to revisit episode nine at the end of this year to give it at least a year, like, and just as, like, and and see it and see if it's aging any better or not because like it's just like coming out and tweeting shit like after the fact like when you could have just put in a fucking movie like it just makes no fucking sense at all to me but yeah no i i have no idea what we were supposed to do with that yeah um like at all uh i still don't I also love that we live in a world now where they amend movies like immediately after they come out via the internet. Uh, like what they did with cats. Like, thank you for patching cats for me. Do you um, want the butthole cut? Uh, I mean, I kind of do because of the rowdy screenings of cats. I think it would be a lot more fun if the cats had buttholes. Uh, have you have you not heard about the rowdy screenings of cats? I mean, obviously they're not happening anymore because movies are canceled. But uh. The idea is that you get a bunch of friends and you get drunk and you watch cats uh, in a movie theater with a. They're trying to turn it into Rocky Horror, basically. Uh, and I was supposed to go to one uh, this week, and I am not. Because social distancing. Well, I'm playing because I accidentally fucked up my leg like a week ago and uh, I can't walk anymore. So, or I can. Well, uh, and so I have been walking around my Animal Crossing island instead. We just start calling you young peg leg. Oh, yeah. Uh, my fifth grade teacher used to call the girl in my class who always was on crutches, which at the time was not me, uh, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, because that's an Australian children's show about a kangaroo with a limp. Jeez. Uh, so I feel that. Uh, also... Uh, so anyway, do we want to transition into Star Wars 2 Attack of the Clones with an inexplicably long romantic sequence in the middle? Uh, before, Well, let me get your last thoughts on... Because I, I told you what I think the movie is or what it's trying to do, but what are your like final thoughts on Phantom Star Wars Menace? Episode 1 The Phantom Menace is a dumb exercise in misery. Let's go to Episode 2. <laughs> What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are, and find us at frightfulfret.net Don't forget
Uh, <laughs> the only thing I can give it any credit for is that I could tell Liam Neeson was really trying and that uh, Darth Maul, even though the actor who plays Darth Maul is a bad man and we do not stand, uh, his performance is still very good and the Duel of the Fate sequence is great. Uh, I also honestly feel that the music is cheapened somewhat by the ways that it gets used in Attack of the Clones. Anyway, uh, moving on. Um, I love that the opening scene of this movie is like, I guess I was wrong. There was no danger after all. And things immediately explode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. This grayish dim planet. What could go wrong here? Yeah. uh, We never find out why he has an eye patch now. Did things need explaining? <laughs> I kind of wanted to know. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no reason he couldn't have had both eyes. I mean... <laughs> Which, by the way, like, the shout out to Captain Panaka and Mace Windu for being the only two people of color in the galaxy for this whole trilogy. Because um, there can oh, never bro. be more than two, except in episode nine, when suddenly there are three. And every time you see them, they're like, there's three? And like, boy, does that get old. Um, but anyway, so... I love Padme's weird basket hair. I think her, I think her style isn't necessarily bad in this one. No, nope. uh... I th- I this movie has my favorite and least favorite outfit of the entire trilogy. So it's it's a thoroughly mixed bag for me. <laughs> I right, go over the fits. Uh so no, we're we're going through like as they come up. So I love her weird okay. basket hair and her senate outfit. We stand that. That's great. Uh also Obi-Wan is super on to him. Uh, I appreciate that they established pretty early on that it's been 10 years, but Obi-Wan is super onto the fact that Anakin wants to put his woo-woo in Padme's yee-yee. Uh, oh, this man, um, you know he ain't never talked to no girls, man. He ain't got no ass, man. Oh, like, he, yeah, he's got no game. Uh, I I believe I wrote, like, six different times, like, you ain't slick. Like, oh, uh, the creepy side smiles he would give, like, oh my god! I should have had a red ca- a red flag counter. And again, I don't blame Hayden Christensen for this because we stand Hayden Christensen on this podcast, which I know we've covered. Uh, but also, he is trying so hard. I don't know. I don't think that's George Lucas, man. I think that's him. <laughs> no, I because apparently he was very specific in a lot of his directing, especially in like the romantic scenes or like scenes where there was like romantic tension. Because you know, when I think of George Lucas, I think George Lucas, master of romance, Casanova, um, clapper of cheeks. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't like sand. It's coarse. And- Rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft and smooth. So, um, he also keeps like... I'm sorry, the way that Obi-Wan says, Good to see you too, Jar Jar! I'm like, oh, that's not true. That is a British lie. Like... You, sir, are telling a British lie. Um, uh, also, stop flexing in front of Padme, bro. You ain't slick. 
He's trying to show off. Uh, we stand Zam Wessel in this household. I got a question. Shoot. So, if you're Padme, yeah, what reason do you have to be attracted other than his like bone structure? What reason <laughs> do you, what reason do you have to be attracted to Anakin Skywalker? Oh, dude, this is something I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> so I have I have a one note about the one time I find him attractive. It's on the last page of my Revenge of the Sith notes, and it says, uh, "Anakin standing on that droid, floating over, twirling that lightsaber, is my whole sexuality. I mean, minus the him being evil part." <laughs> so. So that's what you're into. Uh, uh yeah, bone structure. <laughs> and confidence while standing on a floating droid. And <laughs> his eyes, the Empire was his, so... Yeah. So anyway, uh, we stand Zam Wessel in this household, the female assassin who they chased throughout Coruscant. Uh, I also like that he's like, she didn't want me watching her sleep, so R2's in there. And I was like, is that not the thesis of Twilight? Yo, Stop watching chicks sleep, like, how, dude. How how gross is it when he said, "I can feel everything going on in there"? <laughs> oh my god, so bad. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh my god. Being around her intoxicated is intoxicating. That Obi Wan eye roll. I need a gif of him just going, <sighs> because, like, I just about, like, I need that to to send to every one of my female friends. And she's like, well, you just don't know him like I do. I love him. Like, <sighs> like <laughs> he, like, rolls his whole head. Oh his eyes are rolling so hard, his head goes with it. Like, it's so fucking funny. Um, I like the Coruscant chase. Yeah, I like good. the speeder chase. I like the foot chase. I like the, well, that was good. I like when Anakin eats himself out of the car. You know, oh, I hate it when he does that. Like, the whole club scene, uh, my favorite alien is the one that is a normal human woman in silver hot pants. <laughs> uh, the, the line Jedi business, go back to your drinks, always... Makes me Go laugh. Go back to your jinx. Go back to your jinx, peasants. Uh, I feel like Obi-Wan should probably have objected to uh, sending Anakin with Padme after the whole year intoxicating speech. I'm haunted by the kiss you should have never given me. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not there yet. I have a whole page about that speech. We're not there yet. Don't skip ahead. <laughs> okay. Then, uh, uh, I feel like in this movie, Palpatine is not, like, threatening authority figure. He's kind of creepy uncle. Yeah, he's, he's like, the uncle that looks a little too hard when, like, the, the girl cousin comes in, in the or, or the the young strapping boy cousin in this case. Hey, yeah. Um, I love Yoda's floating chair. We stand an iconic queen. <laughs> uh, there's a moment where she's like please don't look at me like that it makes me uncomfortable and I'm like yeah listen to her and then he totally does not listen to her <laughs> yeah uh, 
That whole I'm ahead of her monologue is so bad. Or I'm ahead of him when he's explaining like why he's better than Obi-Wan and like whatever. Um when Ewan McGregor goes to this space diner. I'll be honest. I thought I made that up as a child. <laughs> the whole scene? I was fairly... I was like, yeah, so he goes to visit, like, a space cook at a space diner. And then I was like... Pfft. I was, dirty. like, nine. Either that did not happen. Yeah, like, dirty A-tank top, like, all that. All the stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honey! Um... All the stereotypes. Someone wants to see you. Uh, which, by the way, those are the same droids that are the flight attendant droids on Star Tours at Disneyland and Disney Hollywood Studios uh, and Disneyland Paris. I love those droids. They're voiced by Allison Janney at Star Tours, and I think they're great. Um, you can hear when Ewan McGregor says, hello, Dex, that he's just given up. He knows what he's doing is ridiculous, and he does not care. Uh, he was sitting at a green table, looking at nothing. Hello, Dex. Mike. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also a big fan of uh, the uh, the fact that Dex has a mustache, <laughs> and it's horrifying. And I, I didn't. Like, they still have Dexter Jexter toys at, like, Walgreens, like, right now. Jesus. Who wants uh, that? Nobody. That's why they're still there. They've been there since 2001. Jeez. You're exactly the way I remember you in my dreams. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Ain't slick. Uh, the scene with Obi-Wan and Yoda with the younglings, I think, is super cute. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next line I literally have written down is him getting all uppity. Like, how could she fall for this shit? Like, oh my god. Uh, so, my favorite dress in all of Star Wars is Padme's lake dress. Uh, with the high neck and it's backless. It's got them sunset colors. She's got her hair done up looking like a roly-poly bug. Uh, and the, the, scene, the dress she's wearing is the I hate sand moment. Uh, I also kind of feel like Padme is very much the adult in that situation and if she was like stop it like literally knock that shit off then like none of this would have happened so let's actually get into the the, the, the biggest scene of the prequels <laughs> so, I hate sand oh my god like, coarse and rough and it gets everywhere so not like here soft I think he does he say and moist I think he says and moist he like touches her hand and like this really and then touches way. her back he touches her naked back bro oh my god so also I feel like I should add to our episode notes uh the uh weird al song about Star Wars episode one <laughs> knock yourself out <laughs> because honestly just listen to that song if you want to just skip out on on uh on it because 
it, it explains everything, and the video is much more fun than anything that happens in episode one. And it's five minutes long versus two hours and 15 minutes. I mean, if you if you skip, you know, the movie, you're missing out on a lot of American cinematic history. But so, but, okay, so sticking to these scenes. So what I just... Like, so, this romance to me is incredibly painful to watch. Is it? It's unbearable to watch. Like, you don't buy their relationship at all. Like, you don't buy. No. I mean, you. I mean, you buy from his perspective. Like, I mean, he's a full blown creep. Like, you. You believe he's a full blown creep. I also feel like he is the only. Like that was the first person that, outside of his mother, who was ever nice to him. And she's beautiful. And also, he's been in training with Obi-Wan this whole time. So it's not like he's been honing his talk-to-girls game. So, like, from that perspective, I kind of buy it. Like, listen, sometimes you roll low on charisma. Shit happens. Like, but from her perspective, I don't understand it at all. Uh, And there's one moment where, you know, in the after-dinner scene where he's like, I'm in agony every single day because, like... I I want to touch your butt and I don't know if you want to touch my butt and like you shouldn't have touched my butt in the first place because now I'm even more confused uh, and then he says at one point uh, you are asking me to be rational and that is something I cannot do oh my god and I literally wrote is that the thesis of these movies like that my my letterboxed review I'm not even kidding. My letterboxed review of the prequels of episode two is one and a half stars. You're asking me to be rational, and that's something I cannot do. <laughs> like, no adult should be saying that in any circumstance, especially okay, if it comes... only 19. Come on, man. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. That's, old. that's old enough to know. Like, it's old enough to know better. Like, yeah. Um, so, uh, there's a good joke that Obi-Wan makes where he's putting in his transmission and he's trying to send it to the temple and he says, uh, care of the old folks home. <laughs> Cause he's talking about the masters that are older than him. I thought that was a good joke. That, I think that might've been the first joke I got a genuine laugh out of. That wasn't something me or my dad had said to each other. Um, also, there's one line where I wrote down, uh, after he has the nightmare, uh, he goes outside and he says, your presence is soothing. And like, oh, or I'm sorry, uh, your presence is soothing. Like, uh, it's so poorly articulated. Uh, I love that Watto has a hat in the sequel for no reason. I mean, people want to be fitted. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. People like to get fitted. I mean, okay, so we're so okay. So let's fast forward a little bit through the movie and so, the long ass space battle between uh, Obi Wan and Jango Fett. That just kind of happens. Yeah, that was odd. Like the only it's like fourteen <sighs> minutes long. The only redeemable battle in this whole movie is when um, Dooku fights 
um, Anakin and um, Anakin and uh, Obi Wan, and you see like the the lightsabers like dueling in the shadows and like making reflections on their face, and then Yoda comes in, and then Yoda Yoda doesn't get washed, but you know he he ultimately loses. Like I think that I think it's so weird that like Lucas gets some of the hand to hand combat down well but like everything else in the first two movies like it just poorly written and badly executed like uh, I gave this one and a half stars like yep. it's it's also I'm so mad because they use Jewel of the Fates while Anakin is driving to go kill the Tusken Raiders uh I wrote God bless Christopher Lee like four times uh <laughs> Hayden's acting when his mom dies is actually really solid. He does a lot of really good nonverbal work. Uh, he becomes a mass murderer. Well, he is it's the road to him becoming a mass murderer. So he he murders a bunch of Tuscan Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's, no, but I it's mean, the first in the in the moment where he's holding his mom. No, there's no, a I, lot I of really good acting there. No, no, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, oh, you like, mean the they're animals. I slaughtered oh, yeah. them like animals. Literally, my note here is Padme, run, girl, run, bitch, these, run. Like these these brown people in the desert, they're animals. <laughs> we don't know what their faces look like. They're bandages with eye holes. Right. <laughs> brown brown humanoids in the desert. Yeah. Animals. Also, uh, every time we see Bail Organa, I just wrote Bail. Uh, yeah, okay. honestly, God bless Christopher Lee. Um, they used the same uh twice while Adelie, Natalie Portman was ducking, <laughs> literally within a five second window. So it's like uh uh, like it sounds like a, it sounds like when you make Link double jump in a video game, and his jump noise just kind of fits over each other. So. Um, so, so they get we, stuck in the droid making factory, and R2 has his boot rockets, and Obi-Wan is captured because he went after Count Dooku. There's a weird fake out where they make it seem like they poured molten liquid onto Natalie Portman and she's dead, but they didn't. Uh not again after Anakin gets his lightsaber cut in half, and I was like, I'm sorry. What? And then he immediately goes, Obi-Wan's gonna kill me, and I was like, I'm so confused. How many times you got your lightsaber cut in half, boy? Like, what? What? Why are you allowed outside? You're a nightmare. Um, they're, they're toys. I mean, and then he says, uh, I thought we agreed to fall in, not to fall in love. And I said, I also thought we all agreed not to fall in love with red flag toting assholes. I don't, I don't think people agree to that one, but uh, then uh, her shirt gets cut in half because fan service. Uh, I really hey, like yeah. the design of the destroyer droids, like the the ones that kind of fold up and roll. I yeah. think those are cool. I wish that they were like a practical effect. So you know, they looked real at all. <laughs> Nothing in this uh, movie. Nothing in this movie is supposed to look real. Not even like Sam Jackson's face. I also was like, Jesus, this battle is long. Uh, yeah. I won't leave her. 
And I just wrote, really, Queen? Uh, Anakin has done nothing redeemable this whole movie. Okay, I'll take him now. Anakin has done nothing redeemable this whole movie. I am a slow learner. Truer words never spoken, Annie. Truer words never spoken. <laughs> so, okay. My last so, note on this movie is she still married him after all that dickery, for fuck's sake. Uh, so, what do you think the, the, the thesis slash purpose of this movie is? There, there is not. Uh, because to me, uh, this movie has big, uh, like... I might regret saying this. This movie has big, like, R slash nice guys energy. Oh, no. Yes. And uh, I really think that the the message of this movie is that, like, even though you're the chosen one, you can still be the underdog. And sometimes the underdog can win. And I'm like... I mean, that's not a good message, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) and also, like, it doesn't do anything to make me feel any differently about... I'm like, I'm not like, oh, I don't want Anakin to become Darth Vader. Like, there's no emotional tie here besides, like, he's just circling that toilet bowl of becoming Darth Vader. And, like, I'm not... I don't care. I don't know if you've ever watched the Star Wars The Clone Wars show. Barely, unfortunately. I've watched all six seasons. I haven't watched season seven yet. I'm waiting for it all to come out at once. And this makes Revenge of the Sith, to me, significantly more watchable. Because the only other two times I've watched it, I haven't seen it. And it does a really nice job of bridging the, I want to say, seven years between two and three. So you get to see all the character development that you should have been seeing in in the kind of TV space. Which is a dumb way to have to do it, but whatever, it's what we got. I found some of the wording in the title crawl really weird. Uh, at one point it says, there are heroes on both sides. And I'm like... Yeah, oh my god, that was... Who are you rooting for, movie? They're rooting for box office numbers. Like, that's, like, that's like, all they're rooting yeah. for. Uh, so, as I said earlier, I think, anyway, uh, we stand R2-D2's boot rockets, like those little rockets that he uses to fly. Uh, we also stand this laser that we never see him use again. He's got a little head laser that he kind of wings around. We never see him use it ever again. Um, I really like General Grievous. No, he's a he's a formidable villain. I wish, like, in in this the Clone Wars series, we get a lot more with him. But I wish in the movie we got more with him because he's interesting. I also want to know how he can walk on a spaceship. And also have asthma, like, walk out in space and also have asthma at the same time. I'm curious. Um, (laughs) So, one of the things that I notice about this movie is that, like, everyone can sense Anakin's fear and his anger and his conflict about Palpatine. But somehow, no one can sense any feeling he's having about Padme at all. I mean, these are, I think they're only men on the Jedi Council or men as close as how we define men, I guess. They're like creatures there, too. Oh, there are? Yeah. 
Oh, well, I got nothing then. They, they <laughs> I got no nothing. Development because it doesn't matter. Well, so they, I guess the only, I guess, caveat is they argue that our, what Mace, when Mace is talking to Yoda and they say, well, you know, we, we're now clouded to, you know, properly use the force to read things now. And like, I mean, and I guess if Palpatine was like shrouding their love, that's probably why he missed it. But I don't know, man. Like, I just, I just think there's another part of the Jedi that, it's really kind of fucked up. <laughs> like they, like they can't see like this guy is like clearly in love with this person who he, he definitely well, he should also like with. made out with in public. Yeah, I mean he was fiending. He was like thirsty for it. Hold on. So before, I mean that also was, this movie has peak Obi Wan sass. I mean, not oh. to worry. We're still flying half a ship. Like he's got a lot of good little quips in there. Hold on, you moved on to three. Hold on, we. Oh, are we not done with two? Oh uh, no, I didn't give any final thoughts on oh, two. Oh, okay, sorry. So, because you said like you you do think the movie is kind of about like the nice guy, like you know, quote unquote, quote unquote nice guy, like you know. I'm pretty sure that, that like, this probably relates to Anakin. Um, I don't know. I I agree that. It's kind of like it is definitely a nice guy vehicle. Um, like it's just so this movie is so fucking weird. Like it's like like again, like the difference between like the moral of the story and the purpose of the story, like they're really only using this to to fuel like and push Anakin's story and how Luke and Leia are being created from this toxic ass guy. Um. Other than that, man, I don't got nothing, man. I, and also, I guess how the the Jedi allow themselves to be, you know, overtaken and overpowered or whatever by being complacent. Yeah. So I guess that's it. But like, so the moral of the story is: don't be complacent. Like, <laughs> I guess I'll I'll accept that. I'll accept that. But um okay, so moving moving to three. Now I think okay, so I think one thing that three does exceptionally well, um, that the other two movies don't, um, are the action set pieces. So they give you like throughout the movie, they give you four different action set pieces. And the first twenty-three minutes of the movie is straight action. Yeah. So it's like they're like, you know, we, we fucked up with this shitty dialogue uh we're gonna give you more shitty dialogue but let's actually give you some action to go along with it and you know they're like right out the gate with it like about 40 minutes after that they go to another action set piece and then at the end of the movie it's like all actions all actions all actions. um i'll be honest I, a lot of my notes are a lot thirstier than i thought they were when i initially wrote them i mean you you basically your guy uh, Christensen, like he is going like he's going full emo, he's going full power hungry. You have to understand when I was a child and he did that, you know, that shot, like the shot from this movie, in my opinion, where he turns around and he's his eyes, yeah. he has them Sith contacts. That scared the shit out of me as a child. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I cried. Like, oh, shit. 
Like, I'm pretty sure I was like, oh no, we're fucked. Like, I'm I'm fairly confident that I was like, oh, these are the end times. Like, whatever. Uh, they're not all thirsty for him, though. Most of them seem to be thirsty for Obi-Wan. Oh, pivot. But not not all of them. There's there's room for both of the men in my life. Mm, hold on, you gotta choose now. You gotta, I mean, there can be only one. Am I choosing based on bone structure, or am I choosing based on character? You're choosing one. I want to get bone structure. <laughs> uh. So you can make that sound, yes. <laughs> Am I choosing? Am I like? Okay, it's, but it's whatever criteria you want to use. So. Actor or character? Oh no! The, like the character in the movie. Like this is you put on episode three from beginning to end of Obi between Obi Wan and Anakin slash Darth, or even when he becomes Darth. I don't know. I'm good without <laughs> that. I don't need. I don't okay. need to be applying burn ointment on every inch of every exposed everything. Gee. Alright, so I guess it's the very beginning of episode three, right up until he's like glide before he makes the jump, the faithful I have the high ground jump. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground. You underestimate my power. Don't try it. <laughs> like everything in between sandwiched in between that uh all right uh i mean i don't know i feel like anakin's kind of busy with his wife <laughs> she's she's prego like he doesn't he that, doesn't i mean yeah but like uh, cheating is kind of a turnoff <laughs> like if he was if he was like single in which case there would be no plot to this movie uh I feel like he would probably be, like, the guy you go home with from, like, a bar with, and then you wake up the next morning, and you're like, oh, you are not as as cute as I remembered. Uh, <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel like in my mind, like, Obi-Wan is more, like, wifey material. Like, that's, that's the guy you bring home. Like, that's the guy you date forever and eventually marry. And, like, Anakin's, like, a bachelorette party mistake at your best friend's bachelorette party and anakin's a jump off in this movie yeah i mean he's got a much better haircut now at least (laughs) is it though (laughs) oh yeah are you kidding you can't see nearly as much of his face I'll take your word for it. It kind of, uh, there was a moment where dad was like, I like the bangs. And it reminded me of a line in Greece where it says, oh, don't worry. If she fucks up or she screws up uh, piercing your ears, she can always fix your hair so your ears don't show. Jeez. And it was like that energy. Damn. Uh, I also, I, I don't know. I'm one, halfway through this movie, I'm like, is this why I'm into emotionally damaged men with long hair? Hey. Is <laughs> this... I mean, everyone has a type, man. Like, every single person has a type, so. I mean, I'll be honest. If you lined up all the guys I've ever dated, like, next to each other, you would probably find no physical similarities. 
Uh, oh, really? I thought you can go the other way. Yeah, no. Uh, they're my my Titanic. It sort of broke up there. What'd you say? My type is charismatic. Okay. Uh, any any looks on top of that is just kind of icing. Oh damn! So you like ugly dudes? If they make me laugh. Ah, oh, well, shout out to them. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. So anyway, yeah. Uh. Hayden Hayden Christensen would definitely be like a or I'm sorry Anakin Skywalker would definitely be like a fun like uh a fun a fun quick like, shag but like I think f- Obi Wan Obi Wan is like life life partner territory at least for me okay all right although if uh, we're talking Clone Wars where character wise they are completely different uh seventeen of Anakin please. Get I was going to say, because I, I saw, like, half of the first season of uh, Clone Wars, and they basically make him, like, basically Jedi Harrison Ford. Like, yeah. all adventure shit, so. Yeah. Yeah. 17 of him gift wrap, please. Jeez. Or, or uh, not gift wrapped. That's fine, too. <laughs> hey. Don't gift wrapped. Don't I mean, take the wrapping off. I mean, sometimes the unwrapping is half the fun of presents. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, I didn't mean this uh, for this episode to get so thirsty. Uh, but uh, I definitely have. Oh man, Obi Wan leaning on that archway. Fuck. Oh my god. Uh. <laughs> oh man. Then I also was like, okay, so she's saying the queen won't let her be in Congress or the Senate if she's pregnant, but she's already really showing. Like, uh, how does she, nobody know? She wearing the big ass moo-moos. Like, <laughs> like, Those kind of make it more obvious, though. I mean, I mean, okay, so really, the- what she got to do is she got to do the Princess Diana and get the big handbag and only let people look at her from like the sides to three quarters, like that's what she got to do because like, she's a petite little lady too. Like, there's like a lot of like bulky clothing in this galaxy, so it's like a lot of like hidden shapes. Like she, yeah, except somehow you can always really clearly see like tummy. And then there's the hidden shape. And I'm like, girl, 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 get like, a tailor. I, like, I don't even, is, is Palpatine fat? Like, is he chubby? Like, I I can only go by his face. Like, no. what is he? Uh, so he's like athletic built? Yeah, he's like a wiry little man. Oh, uh, see, I, doesn't, the clothing is, is not very in, revealing. In the Clone Wars, they show that, like, he has, like, a tight, like, sleeve through here that is like got an oversleeve over it it's a little bit easier to, to get a sense of his body shape also i do not understand how she sleeps in that nightgown that's got pearls all over it i mean she's sleeping with a lot of pearl necklaces <laughs> yeah but like on your shoulders <laughs> on your naked ass shoulders Oh my god, that was a wild joke I just made. Um, yeah, that was a choice. That was a choice. Uh, <laughs> okay, so anyway, 
Chancellor Palpatine says, hey, do you want to spy on the Jedi Council for me? And Anakin says, okay. And then the Jedi Council says, we will let you sit on the council, but you are not master. Anakin is upset. Uh, then Obi-Wan is like, hey, do you want to spy on the Chancellor for us? And Anakin's like, the hell? No. <laughs> then we cut to a conversation with Padme and Anakin, where Padme says, hey, do you want to, like, unduly influence the Chancellor for me? And Anakin is like, no! <laughs> and then she's like, why don't you trust me? And she, he's like, I do. And she's like, but you're being withholding. And he's like, no, I'm not. And like, that's it. That's every conversation they ever have. Um, Basically. Then we learn the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, who presumably made Anakin a pathway to what many consider unnatural. It's reincorporated six movies later. Mazel tov. Uh... Also, I feel like this whole... The thesis of this movie is just Obi-Wan didn't deserve this. Oh, <laughs> I mean, his, his boy, like, stressed... His boy stressed out the entire galaxy. I mean, and, like, he was trying so hard. Uh, also, when he jumps off that thing and just goes, Hello there. I'm like, God, what a man. What a man. It's really... It's really wild that if the Jedi just let Anakin get some, like, tail in public, none of this would happen. Like, well, none so of this would happen. For me, there's a moment where uh, Master Windu basically says, uh, if you're right about Palpatine, you will be a master. And Anakin is like, meh! Like, I don't want to stay home. And I'm like, dude... Dude, he literally just offered you exactly what you wanted if you sat down for 10 minutes. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's this guy. Also, uh, when Palpatine and uh, Anakin are talking, I'm like, do either of you have any evidence to back up what you're saying? Like, can you, any any empirical evidence at all? Like, any... Like, <laughs> then Anakin rolls a real high perception check and suddenly understands that he is a Sith Lord. Then uh, Mace Windu happens. And I said, I feel like cutting his arm off and letting him get murdered seems like a tactical fallacy, Anakin. Uh, but okay. Jeez. Uh... Just an acting note here. He needs to either be more scared of what he's about to do or determined to do it. This weird look of malaise he has does not sell it to me. Um, the execute order 66 slash youngling scene, I think, is very well done. No, I think they, cl they close out the movie. Well, between, you know, basically when, like, order 66 starts. Actually, uh -huh. even, even before then, like, whenever... Whenever the mace confrontation happens, up until the, um, I would say up until like you know the very end of like Yoda like you know sprinting away, I think they handle all that like pretty well. Like it's mm -hmm. it's pretty well. Like the action's pretty good. It's pretty well paced, and so they actually do that really well. Yeah. Uh, also, that purple robe, uh, at Padme with the like weird claw hair. 
in the back was my favorite Burger King toy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shout out to fast food toys. Oh, the fast food toys for this were amazing. I had that thing that Obi-Wan rides on on the planet when he's chasing General Grievous around, which is a great action set piece. Yeah. Uh, but that like weird creature thing with the feathers and also the scales, I had that. I loved that thing. Nice. Uh, I also, just a weird technical question. How did they only pull security recordings from places Anakin was? Because like they go uh, from the Jedi temple like lobby where the younglings were directly to when... <laughs> Anakin was swearing fealty to Chancellor Palpatine. I mean, it's, it's the jumps, man. I don't know. I legit don't know. So, okay, like I said, I, I think they did close up the movie, like, fairly well. But what are your thoughts on, basically, you know, they, they, the turn happens. Uh, you know, we have the battle between Palpatine and Yoda. And Obi Wan and Anakin. Yeah. When Anakin, Anakin becomes a full mass murderer and a full full domestic abuse bro. What, well, yeah. Like, as so, soon as he says, uh, "Don't you turn against me," I was like, "That's a direct threat. Run, bitch, run." Uh, also, there's one like line that apparently he mouths words while he's choking out Obi Wan, and the subtitles just says mouthing words, and I was like, <laughs> "What words? What words?" Like, oh man, it's no good. Uh, but on, so, what are you, like? What are your thoughts? Though? Like overall, I think like they're a really strong action set piece. The only issue that I really have, and like I know this is not like a great problem necessarily. Like it's not a huge problem, but like it really bugged me. Uh, is that Anakin punched Obi Wan in the face? <laughs> Why did that bother you? <laughs> because that, at no point is that like presented at all in the rules of engagement. As a, <laughs> I mean... there's also so, like... one one disengage that he does that just as a fencer, I was like, oh, okay, he must be double jointed, or he just broke his arm. Because <laughs> you literally see he has his blade out like this, and then somehow bends it up. Which, like, unless he was double-jointed, is not strictly possible. Uh, I think it's really powerful. Uh, I think the fact that Padme died of the sad? She had the sads. Uh, As soon as I see her in that little outfit, though, with the white leggings, she officially becomes sad pregnant Padme, TM. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so the fact that she died of the sad uh, is not... Great. Uh, she literally gave up everything for him. And, like, that is so infuriating to me as an end point. <laughs> I mean, she gave up the. I guess it's supposed queendom. to be a cautionary tale. Like, don't give up everything for the for... boy you love because he might become Hitler. um so okay so here's here's like my review that i wrote on letterboxd of revenge of the sith i also think you still like this movie more than me oh no i did but it's it's not for anything i'll be frank 
and be very honest. It's not of anything noteworthy, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. So here, so I gave it when so basically on my letterbox like a couple months ago, I made like a Star Wars listing of movies, and I originally gave um, episode three four stars, but on this one, um. I changed it to three and a half. So here's what I specifically wrote. Anakin goes full mass murder and domestic violence, bro, to close out a trilogy that could have used a third or even maybe a fourth or fifth writer humor and less reliance on digital visual graphics. Conceptually, George Lucas has semi-interesting ideas. In reality, the writing is laughably dreadful. It's it's also remarkable that an actor like Samuel L. Jackson, an actor that's played numerous casting characters, is reduced to stale dialogue devoid of personality. Think about this question. In the second trilogy, what's the difference between Mace, Yoda, and Obi-Wan? Revenge of the Sith is only saved by the amazing battle set pieces. The duel between Anakin versus Obi-Wan and Palpatine versus Yoda ranks as the best of the original six films. Fifteen years later, still one of the best of the canonical films. In the end, episode three is a good action movie. As a space drama, it plays more as daytime soap than uh, dramatic epic. Like... The I movie- would make the argument there's at least a little difference between Obi-Wan. Like, I feel like Obi-Wan has a little bit more difference than Yoda and Mace Windu, but not a lot. But at least it's- he has that, like, emotional heartbreak, like, I tried to be there for him and I did something wrong. Like, he has a sense of responsibility in all this that I think feels a lot more personable than Yoda being like, into exile I must go. Failed I have. Like, I'm like, okay, but like, if I if I said, hey, Master Yoda, please write me a, uh, you know, a hundred word essay about the ways in which you failed. I don't know that he could give me something good besides uh, being like complacent. I was did not notice Sith Lords returned had I like. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he can give you anything, honestly. Like, I just think I think the Jedi just really aren't. Whereas I, they're I feel like, honest about they're not honest with themselves about. I feel like Obi Wan is very honest, where he was like, "Oh, are you kidding?" Because like he, I think, feels like I, I maybe didn't train you enough. I wasn't. I was too harsh. I didn't. There are moments where you can really see, you know, like when he says, "You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you." I think that's his way of saying like, "I, I realize now that perhaps I was." too hard on you because you were something I loved. You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy this and not join them! Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness! No, uh, no, and I'm like, he's I got, agree with that. I feel like yeah. he's got an arc, whereas both Mace Windu and Yoda in this movie are kind of like, do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do, like, rolling along on the same frequency. Whereas at least Obi-Wan gets a little bit of a, like, ooh. 
Like I, I don't. I, I mean, if if Obi not if, a lot if, of a if uh, Obi, but like if, if Obi Wan has an arc, it's really only in the last scene when he like leaves Anakin for dead. I mean, because in in all the original, like, well, not the original, but the other two movies, and up until that moment, Obi doesn't really try to understand Anakin. Like, he's basically, like, his purpose is to guide Anakin to becoming a great warrior, but there's no real empathy as far as, this is obviously a kid who has a lot of rage issues and who's not complacent and always wants to continually advance, whether it's earned or not. But there's like no real sense that Obi Wan actually is trying to nurture Anakin in something greater, other than telling him like, "We're gonna do this. You do this and follow because you're a Jedi." Like that's. I feel like there's not a lot of like this whole like, "I you, I treated you like a brother and I loved you." Like he says that, yeah. I and I think the acting is like great in it. Ewan McGregor is good in that scene, but we don't actually visually see that. I don't see anything in, in these movies Except- that actually prove that. That for me, I feel like every time he's like, oh, I hate it when he does that. Like, it's very exasperated, like, parent or big brother energy. Like, just because we don't see any moments of that, and, like, they do exist in the Clone Wars, which I know doesn't count, really, because, like, we should be seeing it in the movie. But, like, I feel like every time, you know, you, oh, I hate it when he does that. Oh, another happy land. Like, it's his kind of way of being like, hey, like, I see that. And when Anakin goes to the Senate, not Obi-Wan, and he says, like, you deserve to be the hero today. I think he was saying that kind of like... Compared to how Obi-Wan was treating him in two, him sick, and I'm saying this because I literally watched all three movies within 72 hours, so, like, you deserve to be the hero today because you did good work, is such a big improvement from two when he was like, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're talking about, you need to sit down and listen. You can see the way that the respect has grown. I do, like, in the moment when Ewan McGregor is actually giving that speech, I think it's, I do think that it really is coming from a place of, like, you know, genuine care. I just think that the, I just think in the original trilogy, Lucas didn't do him any favors as actually showing at on abundance. And yeah, like you, you can point to that one scene, but it's kind of like, I mean, it, and you're right. Like Clone Wars, you know, Clone Wars as a TV show is thought out. Uh, it's it's crafted in a way that you have those moments. But for someone who only you know sticks by the, the canon, which is just the films, like it's just kind of like it, I don't think it's earned. Like I think I, you can believe it, and at the same time, you can still say that I don't really think it's earned or whatever. Well, how but, um, long is, is the time between two and three? Um, as far as like uh, years, yeah. Um, it's well, okay. So it's three years after the Clone Wars started, according to Wikipedia. It's it's three years. So after Episode two, three years happens, and then we get Episode three. Oh no, that's way worse than I thought. Oh, he's only twenty two. Yeah, these oh, motherfuckers Jesus. aren't. These motherfuckers aren't old. <laughs> these motherfuckers are kids. I mean, hey, Padme is like twenty-seven. She oh, she may be the oldest. Jeez, what is uh, she? Old by the way, Poncho Tally for this series, uh, seven, eight, nine, nine ponchos <laughs> over three movies. I am the 
it's like sound advice or whatever. It's like comics, conventions, and cosplay or whatever. It's like ladies night or whatever. It's like wrestling or whatever. It's like parenting or whatever. It's like anime or whatever. It's like spiritual warfare or whatever. It's like great friends, awesome people coming around doing what we do best or whatever. You should watch, listen, and follow or whatever. It's like a podcast or whatever. So what do you, so what are your overall thoughts? So actually to, I guess, kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, well, not not necessarily wrap it up, but, you know, just a, in summation is a better phrase. So what are your thoughts specifically on episode three overall? But then also, what are your thoughts from one, two, and three? Like, what yeah. do you, so what do you view? So one thing about episode three, and I think it is a double-edged sword, is that the action set pieces are really good. But I also think there's so much stuff happening that this movie is two and a half hours long and feels very cluttered. Even if I enjoyed most of the clutter, like, there's constantly, like, three things going on at least that you need to keep track of. And that's a lot. Um, I think the action set pieces are great. I think that scene on Mustafar might be one of my favorite things ever. I think that scene is beautiful. I think it still holds up. Um, I think it's gorgeous. Uh, in the Colin Trevorrow script, you would have gotten to revisit Mustafar uh, in episode nine. And I really wish we had gotten that just because I want to, like, I want to see it again. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of the ideas are there, but they needed a better screenwriter. I really think George Lucas should have settled for a story by credit and let someone put their writing panties on and write a damn story. Um, for the series as a whole, the trilogy as a whole, I do feel that they are a coherent body of work. Um, do you think it's only... Do you think it's supplemented well by the cartoon series and also, like, the future trilogy that they eventually put out? Yeah. I think uh, I think that they actually work a lot better if you watch The Clone Wars. Uh, yeah, for me... Yeah, for me, like, the... The particularly Last Jedi, like, Anakin, like not Anakin, um, Luke really explaining and pointing out how the Jedi, you know, they do have fallacy and they are completely flawed. Having him go through that and then looking at these like trilogy, it's like, well, wow, yeah, like this this mm -hmm. religion, you know, that we greatly in pop culture like we praise and we love and we use the phrases or whatever. Yeah. It's completely flawed. So I I do want to watch Clone Wars. I just I'm just really bad at watching yeah. like episodic TV. But no, yeah. I feel that. 
Also, both times, uh, the the Jedi failed largely due to complacency. Which I think is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that looking at it from that perspective, I, I think, does strengthen it a lot. Uh, I also think that... It is, it is a coherent body of work that exists. I think the Clone Wars supplements it. I don't think the Clone Wars saves it. Um, I wish that some of the characters that George Lucas had made up for the Clone Wars had made an appearance in 1, 2, and 3. I would give an arm for Asajj Ventress in a feature-length film. <laughs> um... She may be my single favorite thing Star Wars has ever done. Oh, nice. Um, and I feel in watching these movies that George Lucas definitely thought he had a story to tell and a way to tell it. And that he wasn't bound by what was physically possible anymore. Which is... Good in theory, but in practice, I feel like he was given much too much leeway. Uh, and I feel that the pre or the sequel trilogy probably had the exact opposite problem, where they were not given enough leeway. You know, they were so made by committee that we we couldn't even get a weird line delivery. Like from my perspective, the Jedi are evil because that wouldn't. That would get focus tested out. <laughs> you know? So I think it's a really delicate balance with Star Wars because it has to feel authentic and real without it being like, this is my personal narrative about midichlorians and how my my in-person OP... My, uh, my OP do not steal is... Jesus... <laughs> I mean, midichlorians talk. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's not what you want. But no, like, yeah, like conceptually, he has ideas, but they're not fully fleshed out in a lot of ways, and the, anything that he does have is is just not executed properly. Um, but what do you? So it, even if you just extrapolate just Anakin from. The beginning to end of mm-hmm. episodes one and three. Other than him being this massive creep as far as like how he deals with Padme, um, do you think they actually did the origin of Darth Vader justice? No. Maybe? I'm not sure. It's it's something that I am struggling with because I feel that Anakin deserved more to be the emo boy you had a crush on in high school. Well, well what specifically, though? Kind he, of break that down now. Yeah, because, like, basically, if you were to sum up his... his raison d'etre, why he gets out of bed every morning, right? Why am I Anakin Skywalker, and why am I flirting with the idea of turning to the dark side? It's... Basically, I'm just a kid and my life is a nightmare. Uh, And 
I don't want to lose the only like girl that's ever been nice to me. Like, I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like me in high school. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I think the Clone Wars would have worked a lot better if he had been 16 instead of 19. And so then Padme would have been... Well, that wouldn't have worked. That still would have been very illegal. <laughs> uh, but like, if she had, if if let's say that she was, he was sixteen and she was nineteen, so that's not as bad. It's still bad, but it's not as bad. Yeah. You know, let's make that the age difference instead of nine and fourteen. Okay, great. Just for the sake of argument here, uh, and that he was sixteen and feeling all these feelings, and she was saying, "Hey, it's okay. Like, you're gonna move past this," and like. You know, if she basically was coaching him to, like, oh, you're going to be stronger than these feelings. So then when he still has them, it turns into a self-loathing rage. That's already such a better dynamic. I just want to be good enough for her. I just want her to love me. Like, that's so much more interesting than I have her love. I have her affection. I am afraid that she's going to die. Yeah. Well, I guess you know, I mean, if we're going the emo mad boy route, we might as well go all in on the emo mad boy route. Yeah, I mean, I've I personally have never been motivated to keep someone I love like out of like that sort of intense fear of losing them. So it's something that I can't necessarily relate to, but even if you take it from a perspective of someone who is not, obviously not skilled in women, but more from a perspective of like not necessarily skilled in love and how you actually approach, not only just women, but how you approach people that you're interested in and how you express that love. Like, I think if Lucas would have had a bit more like gravitas and finesse to actually write something good like mm-hmm. I, th- I think he could have pulled it off and I mean obviously we need to get to a point where um, Anakin, is, is, Anakin is impregnating someone to get these twins or whatever but at the same time like I, I just don't I just don't buy their love in any of these movies like I buy like him being creep I buy her anguish like you know she's I'm, well I don't even know if I really buy her anguish honestly like like at the end, like she's she's so overwrought with sadness that she dies from mysterious causes, and it's it's kind of like haven't we all got... been there? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but it's just kind of like I I don't buy that this is the greatest love in all the galaxy. I just don't buy it. So yeah, I mean, I don't know that you're supposed to. I don't know. I think you are, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think it's supposed to be the greatest love in the galaxy to him. Okay, that is a that is a fair conceit. I, and I, in I, his I, mind, you know, because he still has a lot of those nine-year-old little boy traits. This no. is the greatest love story of all time, and he did exactly what he needed to do to save her, but it still wasn't enough. He couldn't do it. Has there been anyone you've fantasized about for 10 years like <laughs> like 
Are you asking if I still have a crush on the person I had a crush on when I was 11 or 12? Yes, I'm asking that question. <laughs> uh, uh. Like, no. Not anybody <laughs> I know. I, I, I don't even know if I even... I barely have, like, the same celebrity crushes from 10 years ago. Uh, I'll uh, be honest. Captain America has been a fixture of my life since... Significantly before he was Captain America. Jesus. What year did oh, from, Fantastic uh, Four come out? I was going to say, not another teen movie. Was that uh, the one he was in? Yeah, he was in that, but that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about Fantastic Four. The 2005 film. Yeah, 2005. Since 2005. Uh, but he's it. And like... I think it's the charisma thing. I really do. Because in Fantastic Four, he's, like, got it. Like, he's got that slick, like, little kind of funny, kind of sleazy, like, kind of whatever thing going, right? Yeah. And then as Captain America, he's a lot more earnest, but he's still very charming. Oh, you know, no, I, think it's, yeah, he... I think it's just that him, not only him as a, like, a social figure... But him as the characters that he's been have just always been types that I like. And the fact that he's an aesthetically pleasing man and a local doesn't hurt. <laughs> hold on, so... It's nice on. when you root for the same baseball teams. Uh, 30 minutes ago, you said you like the Ugly Ducklings. Now we've given I, to Chris Evans. Like, yeah, because I said charisma's <laughs> my type. If they look nice, that's just icing. I didn't say I was only into Ugly Ducklings. And so Chris Evans is the icing. If you can make me laugh and you're an 11 out of 10, like, Mazel Tov, let's go. Like, oh, hilarious. I don't like people who rest on their being attractive laurels. Like, that's not cute. I'll be sure to pass this along this podcast to Chris so we can get Thanks. you that face-to-face meetup. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, like, listen, I'm like a six. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm oh. like a five, maybe a six if you squint. But I'm funny. A five out of five, girl. A six out of five, girl. <laughs> I'm a five out of five. A five out of ten, but I'm funny. That Stop. makes me at least a seven. Uh, that listen. sounded a lot more like Tana Mojo than I wanted it to. <laughs> Listeners, you all know that's bullshit. But, um, so, uh, would you recommend this series to, to people getting in this? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm of the mindset of yes, only because if you're going to... If you're going to get the full Star Wars, you have to suffer through the full Star Wars. <laughs> if you want to do all nine, this is the only way to do all nine. Yeah. You know, you got to get through one, two, and three if you want to get through one through nine. Uh, If you are a casual Star Wars fan, you know, you like four, five, and six, or you like seven, eight, and nine, like whatever, and you don't really feel the need to like expand... That's also fine. I mean, if you're a casual Star Wars, like, just as someone who wants to just go to a movie and just watch a movie, 
Like we, you really, you legit okay. only need about like four or five of these movies, honestly. But like, also, you can't watch nine as a casual. Oh no, hell no! Hell I had no. to explain to my friend David, who's watched a lot of the TV shows, so he's not even a casual. Yeah, he's like, I'd say like between a casual and like a super fan. He's like a fan. Like I like yeah. Star Wars. And he was like, who are those guys? And I had to be like, okay, those are the Knights of Ren. And he was like, I'm sorry, there are Knights of Ren? And I was like... Which I don't even acknowledge necessarily. I was like, all right. Okay, so... And by the way, I'm explaining this in a packed IMAX theater while the movie is happening on opening night. Oh, no, y'all would have to go. Y'all would have to go. (laughs) Oh, it was so loud in the IMAX. No one could hear us. Um... I'm I'm very conscientious about this stuff. Like, I go to a lot of open screenings. I sit with people who don't know how to watch movies a lot. I try very hard not to be that person. I'm looking through the list of these 11 movies, and I'm thinking the if you're just someone that just wants to watch a movie and not think about it, yeah. I'm thinking you can only watch maybe like three or four. Like I think you can only if you're just trying to watch like a, a just an action movie. It's Rogue One. I would even put Solo in that because yeah, you can, right. You can, you can watch Solo and just go. Um, maybe Force Awakens. Um, if you like, I don't think okay. you can just watch Jet. I don't think you can watch Empire and then just like out of nowhere. I don't know. If you like science fiction. And action, then I would say do A New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. If you really, really like those characters and want to see a little bit more from them, then do The Force Awakens. If you really, really want to know how they got there, then watch Rogue One. Uh, If you really, really like The Force Awakens, then watch The Last Jedi. If you really, really like The Last Jedi, man, it's a shame Episode Nine never got made. <laughs> if you like Last Jedi, it's a shame you're not going to watch anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the end. It's a goddamn shame. What about Flip? It's a goddamn shame what happened to Flip. <laughs> to uh, uh, quote Madeline, the children's television show I used to watch a lot as a child, that's all there is, there isn't anymore. Um, yeah so i would say that i i i've got i'm of two schools of thought for this one if there's a fun drinking game out there you watch this movie you watch this movie so hard uh you watch this series so hard you get drunk you have a good time with your friends you hopefully forget what you watched yeah, hopefully if you're having drinking games and watching these three movies, hopefully the conversation is good enough to where everyone eventually ignores the three movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you really like Star Wars, you're a Star Wars completist, and you're watching it for the things with the cool designs. Because there are definitely a lot of creatures and a lot of robots and a lot of things that have got cool designs that I wish were physically rendered in some way so they didn't look like the way they looked. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think I would probably give this series a three out of ten. Uh, each movie I give uh, I give Phantom Menace one and a half. 
I give Attack of the Clones one and a half, and I give uh, Revenge of the Sith a three. So out of the total, so out of the possible fifteen stars, I shit. So uh, seven, I guess. So episode one had two stars. Episode two had one and a half, and then episode three I gave three and a half. So I mean that's that still equates to about a, a five out of ten for me. So yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm someone, that the original trilogy, I gave the OG Star Wars and Empire Strike Back both five stars, and I gave Return of the Jedi four and a half. Um, Return of the Jedi is absolutely my guilty pleasure fave. If you like something, it's not a guilty pleasure, girlfriend. Uh, I, I, I'm a ride or die Ewok ho. <laughs> uh... Well, oh, you, you have to understand, I watched those movies for the first time when I was seven, and I was like, oh, that is my friend, Mr. Bear, but that is my friend, He's Mr. So Bear. Bear, with a spear, and I love him. Yub nub, bitches. Yub nub, Jesus Christ. <laughs> big, big Ewa talk. Ewa talk. <laughs> Bro, yeah. So, like, this, uh, yeah, this is very Miller Road. If it would have flunked, you know, out of high school if it took a test. So, so yeah, man. Uh, so, I guess uh, moral of the story is... Don't let George Rivers write by himself. <laughs> yeah. Also, his villa in Italy looks an awful lot like Naboo. Oh, shit. I mean... I've I... been to the village in Italy, or, like, the space in Italy that he specifically was basing a lot of Naboo off of. Because the first time I went to Italy, my dumbass was like, oh, it looks like... Like, Italy looks like Naboo. And then my brain was like, dumbass. <laughs> I mean... Naboo looks like Italy. Like... <laughs> <laughs> nah, I get what you're saying. Uh, there also was at least one like grand hall in Naboo, where I was like, "I've been, in, I've been there. I know where that is. I've been to that museum or church or like whatever it was." And I was like, "No." Find Cat at Cat Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Find Marcus at Show and Mad Love on Twitter and Instagram. S H O I N M A D L O V. Please join our Facebook group at We Should Do This Again Sometime and follow us on Twitter at Cat K A T and Mark M A R C. Read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and the Mark Rob T H E M A R C R O B dot wordpress.com. Be sure to tip your waitress at Catherine Chidetti on Venmo. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee under Hyphen Podcast Group in conjunction with It's Like a Podcast or whatever. Thanks again for listening. We should do this again sometime.